1: at LuckyLandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth and baby related, hoping to inspire, educate and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses so join me in the fun sign up now at chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary Void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus
1: for my yoga teacher friends who are interested in working with the pregnant population prenatal yoga center offers an 85 hour yoga alliance certified program based on our three pronged theory of prenatal yoga asana education and community once a year we hold our three month immersion program in new york city For those who cannot attend this training, Caprice and I are now traveling to different locations holding our training at hosting studios where we will spend six days working together, exploring and learning about prenatal yoga. This training consists of more than 50 hours working together. We also created a whole membership website with more than 20 videos corresponding directly to the manual you will receive. For more information, check out our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. Hope to work with you soon. Take care. As a working mother of two, a fast and nutritious breakfast is very important to me. I want to share one of my favorite ways to start my day with the Yoga Birth Baby community and give you a chance to win a one-month supply. Ready to hear my secret? It's a cookie. Don't tell my kids I'm eating cookies for breakfast. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, I thought she said nutritious. Well, let me explain, and then I'll tell you how you can win. Susie Allport started making breakfast cookies after writing a history of omega-3 fats for the University of California Press. She realized she could make baked goods with the right balance of fats and provide a vegetarian, sustainable way for boosting your omega-3s. Pregnant women find these all-natural, high-omega-3 breakfast cookies particularly useful. A friend of Susie's daughter calls them a pregnant woman's best friend. Ready for your chance to win two boxes of 18 cookies in your choice of flavor? First, follow at prenatal yoga center and at Susie Smart Cookies on Instagram. Then go to iTunes and review our podcast. Simply email us at info at PrenatalYogaCenter.com, the snapshot of your review and your Instagram handle, and we'll enter you to win a one month supply of breakfast cookies. Enjoy. Hi everyone, I'm Deb Flaschenberg and I am your host for Yoga Birth Babies and today we're going to talk about something near and dear to my heart, the mind-body connection and stress pregnancy fertility. We have Dr. Alice Domar here today so let me tell you a little bit about her. Alice D. Domar, PhD, is a pioneer in the application of mind body medicine to women's health issues. She not only established the first Mind Body Center for Women's Health, but also conducts ongoing groundbreaking research in the field. Her research focuses on the relationship between stress and different women's health conditions and creating innovative programs to help women decrease physical and psychological symptoms. She is the founder of the Mind Body Program for Infertility and is one of the top experts on the stress fertility connection. Dr. Domar received her master's and Ph.D. in health psychology from Albert Einstein College of Medicine, the Ferkhoff School of Professional Psychology at Yeshiva University. Her postdoctoral training was at Beth Israel Deaconess Hospital and Children's Hospital all in Boston. She is currently the executive director of the Domar Center for Mind-Body Health and the director of Mind-Body Services at Boston IVF. She's an associate professor part-time of obstetrics, gynecology, and reproductive biology at Harvard Medical School, and a senior staff psychologist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center. Hi, Allie. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking about this. Oh, my pleasure. So let's start with what brought you to doing this work.
0: You know, I'd always been interested in women's health, and my parents had been through infertility, I think it took them seven years to get pregnant with my sister and five to get pregnant with me. And my mom talked about it my whole childhood, about how hard it was for her not to be able to get pregnant. So I've always had an interest in infertility. And then I got interested in pregnancy because so many of my infertility patients got pregnant and were anxious. So I followed them until they had their babies.
1: Well, how did you start to make that connection that there is fertility and stress that there is that union that one connects to the other?
0: Um I think everybody had always known that there's a you know it's been since biblical times there was a um story in the bible of Hannah and I think Hannah was Joseph's favorite wife and she couldn't get pregnant and she became even and you know all his other wives got pregnant but she wasn't getting pregnant and she got really depressed and she stopped eating and finally she went to see some high priestess or something Who said, you know, who calmed her down and said, don't be depressed, you're going to get pregnant. And so she stopped eating and she cheered up and she got pregnant. And so I think that was the first example of the mind body connection in terms of fertility.
1: That's really interesting. Do you find that some, because I know your approach is really embodied. You do a lot with yoga, you do a lot with restorative, you do a lot with um, other modalities. Do you find any doctors that? don't embrace the mind-body connection fertility doctors? And if so, why do you think that might be?
0: I would actually say that most infertility doctors don't embrace the mind-body connection. I think there's certainly some that I think as, you know, I've been in the field for 30 years. And when I came out with my first study, I wasn't uh, I was I was exiled, but I can tell you that I wasn't very popular. I mean, no one believed there was a connection. And I think now more and more people are believing certainly that stress is a factor in that infertility causes a lot of stress. And I think some people are believing that stress decreases the success of treatment. And so I think, you know, and again, the younger physicians are probably more likely to believe that. I, I think that's the case.
1: Well, I'm just wondering, what do you think? So when they read your information, you're saying you're kind of exiled. What was it that they were bucking against? Was it just not medical enough? Or what do you think it was that rubbed them the wrong way?
0: Um, I think they believed that with medication, they could control every aspect of female reproduction. And so that stress could no longer be a factor. But, you know, so for example, there's a new technology called PGS where you can take a human embryo and when it's five days old, you can biopsy it. And so, you you know, when a woman does a, a PGS cycle, they will only put back in her uterus a chromosomally normal blastocyst is five days old so we know the embryo is normal and healthy and yet only about 50 or 60 percent of the time does that become a baby and so you know my stance is okay if you're putting back a chromosomally normal embryo into what we presume to be a healthy normal uterus how can you say that stress isn't a factor
1: that's pretty fascinating so are you seeing I guess so the study's showing that when they do your program, which we'll talk about soon, and they're taking the stress out, it's better results than with someone that's not doing that kind of yes. work?
0: Yeah. I mean, I've done two randomized controlled trials where we've randomized women to either go through the 10-week mind-body program or not, and we found that women who go through the program have almost tripled the pregnancy rates. That's so, fantastic. So, you know, there's and and is it simply because of the program? We don't know. It could also be because maybe they're eating better or they're doing less alcohol and caffeine or because they're having more sex. I mean, I don't think we know. Although, actually, in the second study, it was just women doing in vitro fertilization IVF, so sex was not a a factor. (laughs) Um, But, you know, there was a meta-analysis that came out which is a, which is a study that combines all the studies. I think it combined 39 studies on psychological interventions for infertility patients. And it said absolutely conclusively that statistically women who do some kind of psychological intervention are much more likely to get pregnant.
1: Can you expand a little bit on your center and as well as what the 10, the 10 session mind body program is?
0: Sure. So it's called the Domar Center of Mind-Body Health. It's, I think, 11 years old. It's a, a, it's a part of Boston IVF in Boston, although we also have a Domar Center at our Albany, New York office. And it's, we only include research-proven modalities. So we have the Mind-Body Program for Infertility, which I'll describe in a minute. We have psychologists who offer cognitive behavior therapy to individuals and couples because we know there's data to show that that is beneficial. We have acupuncture actually seven days a week because there's a lot of studies that show that acupuncture can not only increase pregnancy rates but can decrease distress. And then finally, we have nutritional counseling because there's a lot of data showing that being underweight or overweight can decrease fertility, and there's also certain supplements that may increase fertility. So that, so that's what we do, is we want to offer only modalities that there's data, published data to show it can help women. We're not going to take advantage of people at all, it's all research-proven data.
1: That's great. Can you talk a little bit about how you've seen, how your studies have shown stress negatively affects fertility and pregnancy? So first fertility, and then how stress affects pregnancy.
0: So I have not done research per se on how stress affects fertility because I deal with psychological interventions. But there's a reproductive epidemiologist at Ohio State named Courtney Lynch. And she sent us a few studies looking at the impact of stress on getting pregnant. And she published a study a couple years ago that showed that they looked at couples who basically threw away the birth control. And they found that the women who were the most stressed took the longest to get pregnant and were the most likely to experience infertility. So that's actually, I think, the first study to prospectively show that stress can hamper fertility.
1: It seems like a bit of a catch-22 because a woman could be stressed she's not getting pregnant, and then that's going to increase
0: her stress, and then... Yeah, but in this study they, they looked at stress levels before women started trying. Okay. But so then it they, didn't
1: help that if they didn't no. get pregnant, it just kept escalating.
0: Right. And, and so I think that's actually the issue that every patient that I see here, because we're in an infertility center, has been trying for a long time mm-hmm. and is really stressed because she's been trying for so long. And so, you know, I believe that if most couples who start trying to get pregnant who don't succeed have some kind of physical reason. And as they aren't getting pregnant, they get more and more and more stress. So they come to an infertility doctor who may treat the physical reasons successfully, but all the stress of the infertility is then kicking in to keep her from getting pregnant. And so what we can do is to sort of break that and allow the treatment to work.
1: What, what kind of stress, uh, negative stress is affecting pregnancy? Cause I do read about that a lot and I have a lot of my students come in and even now, like my kids are three and five and I read like stress could negatively affect pregnancy and have this result. And then I feel stressed because I, I was stressed during pregnancy. Yeah. So what are you seeing or some of the effects of stress on, on the baby and the mom during pregnancy?
0: Well, most of the research looks at depression and the impact of depression on the mom and the baby. And, you know, the issue with with being depressed when you're pregnant or at any time is you don't tend to take really good care of yourself. You don't tend to eat really well. You're not normally active. You may not be sleeping well. You may turn to things like alcohol or drugs to try to help you feel better. You may smoke cigarettes, none of which are good for babies. So, you know, and yet conversely, I'm not a big believer in women taking antidepressant medication. During pregnancy, unless they really have to. So that's why I'm a, you know, I really, for my pregnant patients, we really push cognitive behavior therapy, we push exercise, we push, you know, bringing a partner in to provide more support, we talk about, you know, support groups to sort of get her treated from all, every kind of direction.
1: With the Lucky Land Sluts, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Can you talk a little about the study I was reading, um, your study, Impact of a Group Mind-Body Intervention on Pregnancy Rates in IVF Patients?
0: Right. That was the last um, large randomized control trial we did with the Mind-Body Program. So the Mind-Body Program is a 10-week program that usually has between 12 and 16 women. The partners are invited to three of the 10 sessions. And they learn 10 different relaxation techniques. So every week they learn a different relaxation technique, ranging from yoga to progressive muscle relaxation, to imagery, to breath focus. And they also learn a variety of cognitive behavioral strategies. We have a session on the impact of lifestyle behaviors on fertility. We talk about which alternative approaches are good. So I consider acupuncture and yoga good, and I consider herbs bad. Um, We do a lot of talk on how to handle negative emotions like anger and guilt. We talk about effective communication styles. um, And the results are incredible. I mean, the first program started in September. It'll be 30 years. So we've had thousands and thousands of patients go through the program. And then I've trained mental health professionals all over the world. So the mind-body program is all over. And uniformly, you know, about 50% of women get pregnant. And... Maybe even more important than that, you know, they come in feeling depressed and anxious. They have lots of physical symptoms. And by the end of the 10 weeks, they're not depressed, they're not anxious, and most of their physical symptoms are either gone or significantly improved.
1: So how many of these women, or I don't know if you follow up, how many are continuing some of these modalities after the 10 weeks?
0: You know, we did one study probably 25 years ago, and I and at that point, I think ninety percent were still doing something, or at least they told us they were still doing something. So
1: well, hopefully. I mean, I work with a lot of pregnant women that start yoga while pregnant, and then many of, and many would come in saying, "You know, I'm not really a yoga person," or "I really like my cardio," and then many of them find it. Surprising in that they continue it after. So I feel like yeah. ah, my job is done. I feel very good about that. So you mentioned acupuncture. What other modalities do you use to help combat stress when
0: trying to conceive and during pregnancy? Well, so, you know, we do a combination of cognitive behavioral strategies. So we, you know, certainly teach relaxation techniques, we teach many relaxation techniques. We we teach them what we call an 80-20 plan for nutrition, which means if 80% of what you eat is good for you, you can be a little more flexible about the other 20%. We really push moderate exercise, because exercise is probably the best stress reducer we know. Um, And then we do a lot of cognitive strategies. We do cognitive restructuring, which means challenging automatic negative thought patterns, like I'll never get pregnant or the infertility is all my fault. We do a lot of social support because infertility is so isolating, we do um, journaling, which is a really good way to sort of get rid of past traumas. We talk about how to self-nurture. A lot of women really struggle with the concept of self-nurturance, and then we also talk about how to combat perfectionism. Mm. So, lots of modalities. And you know, it's the same thing. You know, I, I I just wrote a book on for pregnant women because I was seeing so many people who struggle with infertility got pregnant and then freaked out because they were so stressed out during their pregnancy. So literally, I think that the stress can continue into pregnancy.
1: I really want, can you talk more about the book you just wrote? Because I see that a lot. In fact, one of my closest friends, two of my closest friends had IVF, but one of them she was really stressed her whole pregnancy because it took her I think five rounds and several years and it was everything felt so precious to her and there was a lot of stress and she's not the only one that's just the one that was closest to my life um, but I see a lot of students I had one student say like I'm afraid to raise my arms because it could choke the baby like because I totally understand when it's expensive for a lot of people to do IVF so they put a huge amount of emotion time uh, finance into and they're finally a pregnant pregnant that they then want to they're just so afraid so can you talk a little bit about what you wrote in your book
0: yeah the book is called finding calm for the expectant mom and you know it's basically i learned the hard way because of my infertility patients who were so stressed out during their pregnancy it's a very precious pregnancy they're terrified i mean there are a lot of things going on they're terrified they're going to lose the pregnancy because it was so hard to come by but I think they also, I think as you go through infertility, there's a belief that if only you could get pregnant, your life would be perfect. And I think a lot of pregnant women, I just gave a talk about this last week at the Midwest Reproductive Symposium on the stress of pregnancy after infertility. And so I think they also don't anticipate not feeling well physically. I think it's a shocking thing to be nauseous and exhausted and just feel awful and yet they don't feel comfortable complaining to anybody, including their partner. And so, you know, my patients come in here and for 45 minutes they complain and they feel <laughs> it's the only place where they can complain. I'm like, yep, come in here, just dump it out. Because it, you're, you can be so physically and psychologically miserable when you're pregnant. Even if you're happy to be pregnant, you can still be miserable while you're pregnant. And so I think that, you know, I think that's an important thing. And so because I started seeing so many post infertility pregnancies and they told their friends, I started seeing a lot of pregnant women. And I realized that most pregnant women have anxiety for either all or part of their pregnancy. It's a huge life change physically, psychologically, financially. It affects your relationship with your partner. It's sort of it's all encompassing. And it's it's scary to have a baby. Yes. (laughs)
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. To all of that. Are you, yeah. are you working with women that, um, just did the IVF with you or are you just working with pregnant women in general that you're finding? Everybody. You know, okay. Yeah. I, Every, everybody, but I definitely understand that, you know, if you're so wanting to get pregnant and then you get there and then you feel awful, that first trimester can be a bear. And I also, oh, yeah. and I also, I'm wondering if you see this, that some women feel pressure, even if they didn't go through IVF to, everyone's like, Oh, you're pregnant. How great. And then I've had students be like, well, I I'm kind of miserable or Mm -hmm. I'm kind of overwhelmed. And they don't feel like they can share that because everyone's telling them how great it should be.
0: But it's exactly, that's what I'm saying is they don't feel like they can't, they can't complain to anybody mean, they really can't. I've literally had patients come in and say, they told their mother, they felt lousy and their mother like snapped at them and said, wait a minute, this is what you've been wanting. You know, I don't want to hear it. And so for a lot of my patients, this is the only, and I talk a lot about that in the book, is that no matter how you got pregnant, for a lot of women, pregnancy is not a pleasant experience. And yet there's such societal pressure. And if you ask people, you know, what do you think when you, this is actually in the book, what do you think about when you hear about pregnancy and you hear about the glow, the radiance, the Madonna, like blah, blah, blah. If you actually Google pregnancy, you get things like, I feel awful, you know, constipation, you know, varicose sore breasts, veins. varicose veins, <laughs> vaginal varicose exactly, veins, uh, um, the varicocities, yeah. you, know, you know, nausea and vomiting in a pregnancy, you know, excessive fatigue, heartburn, leg cramps. So it, it can be a physically overwhelming experience. And I think especially women who went through infertility just don't anticipate that.
1: Mm -hmm. we try at prenatal yoga center to create a sense of community we start every class with circle time where everyone goes around they say their name and how far along they are aches pains and issues and we invite people to just say you can say i am miserable today and that's where i am and that's why we actually don't allow non-pregnant women in the class or just people to observe because we want to hold that space and tell me your thoughts on this we've also had People that are trying to get pregnant want to come take our class. And I, I tried it once, and then I realized it was a huge mistake because they're yeah. seeing a room full of where they want to be. And it just right. didn't. And it, at first, you know, I've now been doing this 16 years. And at first, I'm like, oh, sure, get that pregnant energy. And then I watched it unravel in front of me, mm-hmm. and I realized that is not ideal. So right. can you talk about how, what you do in your yoga classes for the women working with fertility issues is there anything special is it a type of style or what do you include in those classes
0: well i don't teach the yoga because i'm a psychologist but we have a yoga teacher come in and we do hatha yoga Mm -hmm. very gentle stretches especially because so many of our patients are undergoing treatment and so their ovaries might be sore and the idea is you know as women go through infertility a lot of them feel very alienated from their bodies. They feel very angry at their bodies. They feel very out of control of their bodies. And so I feel like yoga is a really good way to make them feel like their body can make them feel good mm-hmm. rather than conversely. And in addition, you know, we do recommend to patients that they decrease the intensity of their exercise regime because there can be some impact of vigorous exercise on fertility. And so we recommend they substitute Hatha Yoga so they can stay fit and toned and relaxed, but not potentially impact reproduction through vigorous exercise.
1: Well, some styles of yoga are pretty vigorous. Um, I'm not... Right, that's,
0: that's what I'm saying. That's what we just do... Very gentle, hot right.
1: yoga. So even though you're saying yoga is good, I'm just trying to uh, identify this for our listeners. So when we're saying yoga, we're separating it like Bikram yoga or power yoga would not be in that category. So when absolutely not,
0: in fact, I, I tell patients, no power yoga, no hot yoga, nothing like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a perfect idea. Cause I think oftentimes, you know, we'll hear, okay, no vigorous exercise and our minds equate to like, okay, I'm not going go to that spin class, but I'll still go to my power yoga. Cause it has yeah. the word yoga. So just for our community right. out there, hearing there's a difference because yoga uh, is a big broad term and there's many different styles under that umbrella.
0: Right. So, right.
1: So can you talk a little bit about the relationship between weight and fertility?
0: So there's a lot of studies about this. And, you know, what gets the most attention is the fact that obese women are less fertile. And and I'm not talking about women who, you know, are carrying around an extra 20 or 30 pounds. I'm really talking about, you know, women whose BMI is above 30 or 35. So, you know, probably I'm really talking about women whose BMI is 35 or above. And it's found that they not only have lower fertility rates sort of out in the real world, but even here in a high-tech infertility center. If a woman's BMI is above 35, her pregnancy rates from high-tech IVF are going to be significantly lower. So a lot of centers actually won't even take patients whose BMI's are above 35. But what gets a whole lot less attention is women who are very thin. And women who are very thin also have lower chances of getting pregnant, even with infertility treatment. So, you know, I'm in Boston, so I actually have more patients who need to gain weight to get fertile. Then I have patients who need to lose weight to get fertile.
1: Can you expand on that? Because I feel like, especially in a community like New York city, um, we do have that. And I, I see that and I've seen that with some friends that I'm like, just put a little more fat in your diet. Can you explain, uh, why those that are too thin, what the body is trying to overcome?
0: Well, if you think about it, you know, the reproductive system is 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 very tied into the rest of the body. And so for example, if you're you know, the example I use for patients is if you're running five miles a day, six or seven days a week, you may be doing it to stay thin, you may be doing it so that you can have cupcakes or whatever, but your body thinks you're being chased by a bear every day. And if you're being chased by a bear every day, is your body really going to think, oh, yeah, this is a great time to get pregnant? Probably not. Conversely, if you're very thin and you're working hard to stay thin, your body probably thinks, oh, it's famine time. There's not enough food. We're going to reserve our resources. So if the body perceives that you're somewhat starving, it's not going to let you get pregnant because if you don't have enough, if you don't have enough calories available to you to stay at a normal weight, the body perceives you don't have enough calories available to you, certainly, to support another life.
1: That makes complete sense. And for some women that are too thin, they also lose uh, their menstruation cycle.
0: Correct. I mean, but that's the problem is a lot of women feel if they are menstruating, it means they're fertile. And that's not true. And in fact, we have a lot of issues with age and fertility because women think if they're still getting their period when they're 48, that they must be fertile. So, you know, you can have a very thin woman who's still menstruating who may not be able to get pregnant because she's so thin. And data shows that in these very thin women, his BMI is usually under... 20 or 19, if they gain an average of six to eight pounds, I think pregnancy rates are somewhere around 90%. So it's it's pretty easy. You know, if, if your issue is that you're underweight, you know, if you have a few hot fudge sundaes, which actually (laughs) our, our nutritionist would kill me because she, she, you know, she's like, no, Allie, it's not hot fudge sundaes. It's, you know, steadily increasing caloric intake. But if you would do that, there's a very good chance as the Brits would say, you would fall pregnant.
1: (laughs) Um, You mentioned, I know that's not your specialty to the nutrition part, but do you know if there's what your nutritionists tend to recommend in terms of a healthy diet for, for women trying to get pregnant?
0: Yeah. I mean, she basically says eat what your grandmother would have told you to eat, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, whole grains, you know, lean meats. You probably should limit fish because of mercury. Um, you know, nuts, good oils, you know, the, you know, our nutritionist is really good about like, if you go to a birthday party, eat the cake. You know, you want to live bit alcohol. You don't want to go crazy with caffeine or alcohol or with caffeine, but eat good food. Um, there was one suggestion, I think from the nurse's health study, that whole dairy products might be better for you than nonfat dairy products. And she says, that's fine too. I mean, eat good food and, and, and don't be underweight. And if you're obese, Eat good food so that you can slowly lose weight to get you into the fertile range.
1: That's really important advice. I think it's hard to find that that happy balance.
0: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.
1: Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com.
0: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply.
1: Um, Backing up a little bit, something that caught my ear is you mentioned, because I know you do acupuncture as part of one Her- of the modalities, but you said not herbs. Um, right. So I'm just curious as to why I personally worked with an acupuncturist who did Chinese medicine. Right. Um and I don't I mean Personally, I was really lucky, so I hope my listeners don't hate me. But I did not have a hard time getting pregnant, but I did have a miscarriage. So right after that, I did do one round of Chinese herbs with my acupuncturist got pregnant. So who knows what it was? And I'm just curious why you don't do herbs, or is it certain herbs or herbs across the board?
0: No, herbs across the board. I mean, there's no data to show they're safe or effective. Most of the herbs coming from China are contaminated with lead and or mercury, which is not something you want in your body when you're trying to get pregnant. And there was one study out of Europe which suggested that herbs might decrease the success rates of high-tech treatment. We also have no idea how herbs interact with medicine, you know, the pharmaceuticals that they use to help you get pregnant. And in fact, you know, for example, we know that um, St. John's wort decreases the efficacy of the birth control pill. So we have no idea what it does to fertility drugs. So in my center, herbs are, are verboten.
1: Okay. No, it's good to know because it just kind of caught yeah. my ear because it was just something yeah. out from my past. And I know a lot of women do use, you know, have gone to yep. Chinese medicine. Uh, because, and, it, and, it make,
0: and it makes me very uncomfortable. And the physicians I work with, it makes them very uncomfortable.
1: That's no, good to know. I think, you know, the more information people have, the more of a choice they can make. Right. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about your new app. We talk- <laughs> I took a look at it. I'm like, this is cool. Um, can Thank you tell a little bit about
0: Ferticom? <laughs> so Ferticom is a an app that came out six weeks ago, I think. And it was the brainchild of myself and Dr. Elizabeth Grill, who's sort of my equivalent at Cornell Medical Center in New York. And Cornell has an amazing infertility program. And she and I both do cognitive behavior therapy with infertility patients. And so about a year and a half ago, we were at a fundraising event in New York for Resolve, which is a national infertility organization. And we were both on the board. And she came up to me later and said, have you ever thought about doing an app? And I'm like, me, I'm I'm a dinosaur. I don't do apps. And she goes, no, seriously, like I have patients come every day and they ask, what app can they use? And, you know, there are all these generic apps that have relaxation, like Insight Timer and Budaphy. But there's no app to help women with infertility relax and decrease their stress. So we literally took a napkin and sketched out the app that night. And then fast forward about, what, 15 months later, we launched the app. And through our our partnership with Faring, um, we actually, it's free. It's free to anyone in the U.S. Um, And in fact, the Spanish version is coming out, I think, next week. And basically what the app is, is... We came up with the 50 situations which we know cause stress to our patients. So, you know, being at work and getting your period or being at a family event and someone announcing their pregnancy or getting negative pregnancy test results or bad you know, news from your physician um, or having a fight with your partner about infertility or having a fight with your partner about sex. So these are all, we came up with the 50 situations which we hear about every day And then in the app are like hands-on, so it's actually, looks like a flower. And so you pick the situation you're in at that moment. So let's say you're at a family dinner and your sister announces she's pregnant. You go to the app and you find, you know, pregnancy announcement at family event and out appears six potential things or appears six things that you can do to help yourself feel better. So one is called social solutions, which are scripts for when people say stupid things to you. Um, one are cognitive solutions, which has had like, you know, if your sister knows that she's pregnant, you immediately have thought, Oh my God, I'm never going to get pregnant. And then there are suggestions of what you can think instead. A third thing are called behavioral solutions. Like, you know, go in the bathroom and have a good cry or in tell everyone you're coming down with a stomach bug or something, go for a walk. And then we have humor, you know, how to deal with this with humor, you know, asking your sister later, Oh, what position did you use? You know, stuff like that. Um, we have self-nurturance, like how can you better care for yourself in this situation? And finally, we have relaxations. So in the app are 10 pre pre-recorded relaxations that I did. Five of them are short. They're one or two minutes, and five of them are 10 or 12 minutes. So if you're at a family dinner and your sister knows that she's pregnant and you're really upset, you take your phone, you go to the bathroom, and you listen to a two-minute relaxation just to help calm you down. So it's, it's sort of this here and now kind of thing.
1: And did you find these situations based on your years and years of hearing from the women, from your community?
0: Yeah. I mean, between Liz and I, we have 40 years of experience counseling infertility patients. And so we thought, you know, yes, we see patients every hour, but there are tens of thousands of women out there who don't have a therapist they can talk to. And also we're not with our patients. So I had a a patient, you know, download the app a couple weeks ago And she said at like 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, she was feeling really upset. And so she went to the app and she found the situation. I think she just had a fight with her husband. So she found that exact scenario and then saw six things that she could do. And she did a few of them and actually told me the next Monday that she felt much better. So it it increases your sense of control. It makes you feel understood. And it's free. And it gives you
1: immediate solutions because especially, like, I keep going to the one you just mentioned, like, your sister says she's pregnant. You've been trying forever. What do you do? And that could be a massive stress moment for a person, and they don't know how to handle themselves, and you're giving them solutions right there and then. I think it's
0: brilliant. Yeah, exactly. and,
1: I, and I think we need that for many things besides.
0: You know? Well, we're, at, you know, we're actually moving on to do apps for other conditions. What so, is some of the
1: other, just out of curiosity, what are some of the other conditions?
0: Um, we've talked about pregnancy, um, we've talked about diabetes. We've talked about sexual dysfunction. We've talked about a lot of different. I mean, where we're trying to think of all the medical conditions where there are a lot of situations which push your button. Like infertility is one. Cancer is another. Where there's so many situations which cause you anxiety or cause you depression or just cause you to feel upset.
1: I and would those
0: suggest don't... new motherhood. Yes. <laughs> If you have time to look at your phone,
1: <laughs> well, unfortunately, I think many of us new mothers do because we don't know what else to do with ourselves at moments. Yeah.
0: You know, Actually, just... it's a good, you could do it while you're breastfeeding, can't you?
1: Yeah. Oh yes,
0: oh, yes. That's <laughs> the It's I... interesting. I, the very one of the very first media interviews I did, and this is I don't know, probably twenty twenty two years ago, was on the stress of being a new mom. And you know, it's funny I I did it. I think after I'd had my first child. And in fact, I ended up meeting the reporter who interviewed me. I ended up writing two books with her because I thought she did such a good job. Cause yeah, being a new mom. And it's funny because when I had my, my pregnant patients, I mean, when I see my infertility patients, I don't want to tell them how hard pregnancy can be because I don't want to scare them. And because they really want to be pregnant. And then when I'm seeing my pregnant patients and they start talking about new motherhood, I'm always sort of split. Like, do I, you know, draw back that curtain. Right. I mean, do I warn them about how stressful and difficult and challenging it can be, or do I wait until they come back freaking out because it's so hard? Um, it, it's hard. I mean, I think I personally, you know, I think I'm a relatively accomplished person. And I remember when my first child was six weeks old, I said to my mother, I had changed my mind and I couldn't <laughs> do it anymore. And she basically said, tough luck, suck it up. Um, it's hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done.
1: I, I agree. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned, my kids are in that kind of sweet spot of three, in three and five. So they really, they they want to be independent, but not really. And I'm constantly working, my, my whole world is pregnant women. And I have to find that, I have to pull back the challenges of motherhood. I can sprinkle some of it in right. to kind of give a sense, but if I, it's only with my mom friends can I kind of dive into that because, again, you don't want yeah. to scare them. But I do personally think it's our obligation to be realistic. Like my own mother was saying that after my brother who's older was born, she was in such shock of how hard it was. And she's like, why didn't anyone tell me, you know, she right. had this image of like birds floating around as she pushed a stroller, you know, so, yeah. you know, I think, so I do yeah. think we need to be realistic um, with women without overly scaring
0: them. That's just my well, I, think, I think one of the issues with mothers is, you know, when I had my kids, my mother, was thinking, okay, I have a dishwasher, I have a washer and dryer, I have air conditioning in my house, I have a swing. I mean, there were so many things I had to make it easier that she didn't have. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, my husband was a thousand times more helpful than my than my father because, you know, when I was born, men didn't do anything. I don't, you know, I, he bragged. He, you know, he ended up with two children and four grandchildren, and he died having never changed a diaper. So, yeah. And my husband has changed hundreds and hundreds of diapers. So mm-hmm. I think our mothers feel like we have it so easy compared to them that they may not be the most sympathetic. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and I completely agree. So I'm going to put in my two cents that you should do a mommy app. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> and then I'll give you some scenarios if you need okay. any. <laughs> All right. So just uh, last little bit, any last minute tips you have for those trying to conceive pregnant or new moms that
0: we haven't touched upon? Um, I would, I would say that probably the thing I would say most is, is self-nurture is whatever challenge you're going through, you know, don't forget about yourself. You know, you don't have to be, you know, if you look at this, you know, I've written seven books and, you know, I started with mind body skills and then I talked about self-nurturing and then I talked about perfectionism. We're so hard on ourselves. And, you know, when you're pregnant, your house doesn't have to stay immaculate and it's okay to admit that you feel crappy and, you know, don't look at social media because people do not post about vaginal hemorrhoids on Facebook. And yet people feel, you know, people only, when you look at Facebook or any of the social media, it's all the really, it's, it's the artificially great stuff.
1: And it's been filtered.
0: Think, it's been filtered. And I think that people get, may know this, there's data to show that the more people time, the more time people spend on Facebook, the more depressed they get. And, you know, find your honest friends, who will start join, a, join a support group. I think it's a great idea. You know, a, a lot of my patients who started infertility yoga and then do prenatal yoga, those become their best friends because those are the women who are like, yup, this is really hard. And those are the people you need to hang out with. I mean, not women who just complain all the time, obviously, but the ones who admit that it can be challenging.
1: Yes. Yeah, so and my really good friends are the women I met when my son was 10 weeks old and we were at my yoga studio for new mom support. And It just created a safe space to cry if you needed, or to
0: laugh, or
1: just to whatever it had to be. Well, I wanted to thank you, and I'll make sure that we have um, your information for your app, as well as your books. And for I'm from the Boston area, so yay for Boston. Yay, Boston. (laughs) And I'll put also a link for your center, the Domer Center. Well, it's really been a pleasure chatting with you.
0: You as well. Have a great
1: day. You too. Take care. Bye. Okay, bye. 18- Plus.